Good morning, I'm Harley Schlanger from the LaRouche Organization with your daily update for January 6th, 2022. In a discussion earlier today, Helga Zepp LaRouche raised the possibility that the rioters who are rampaging through the streets of cities of Kazakhstan may be part of a color revolution being deployed to destabilize that country as a neighbor of Russia uh, on the, in the days leading up to the strategic discussions between the United States, NATO, and Russia, beginning on January 10th in Geneva. Uh, we don't have evidence for sure to back this up, although all of the uh, empirical evidence seems to point toward that, including the role of, of George Soros and, and uh, non-governmental organizations involved in funding groups that are involved the targeting of a government uh, using something that's popular, that is the increase in gasoline costs, uh, as an excuse to, to riot, to loot, and, and to trash government buildings and set fires. Uh, but the implications raised by this is that it's being done in the same way the color revolution was done in Ukraine. To go into the near abroad of Russia and cause disruptions. This just happened in Belarus also, under the pretext of human rights violations, to use that as a false flag to destabilize efforts by Russia to, uh, to avoid the provocations that are being set up. Now, the meetings coming up at the beginning of next week, uh, or, or at the end of this week, actually, are, are quite significant especially the strategic stability dialogue between Russia and the United States. As tensions were building in Ukraine, with the U.S. saying that, U.S. intelligence saying that they believed that Putin was planning an invasion of Ukraine, there was an effort to uh, rally the, the whole of NATO for severe sanctions against Russia. Now, there are two aspects to this. One is that that could have a chilling effect on Russia uh, were there to be such sanctions as the Russian economy is not particularly strong, but it could also trigger a collapse in the West. So it's, it's a very dangerous game being played, but one in which the globalists really feel they have no option because their financial system is cratering the economic system is collapsing, and the series of crises which are out of control are threatening the hold that the corporate cartels have over the governments. Now, under these circumstances, uh, a triggering of, of riots in Kazakhstan could be playing a major role in disrupting the possibility for an agreement to be reached that would de-escalate the crisis in Ukraine. I spoke today with a top Russian strategic analyst who told me that he's cautiously optimistic that there could be some progress at these talks, but he said there need to be realistic targets, realistic areas of cooperation. And he said, for example, cooperation in rebuilding Afghanistan would be crucial. Now, the Afghan situation, as you probably know, is over the edge. Uh, David Beasley of the World Food Organization, in a statement yesterday, pleaded with the world. He said there are 8.7 million people facing starvation now, children freezing to death, 
parents resorting to selling their daughters on the side of the road to offer them a better life and to get a few dollars for the, uh, to feed the children remaining at home. The situation is catastrophic. It wasn't caused by the Taliban. It was caused by the pulling out of aid of Western countries and the freezing of Afghan's funds, Afghanistan's funds that are being held in the Federal Reserve and several banks. The idea that somehow you're going to force the Taliban to be more generous toward women and children by starving those women and children is preposterous. And yet that's the game of sanctions that's been played over and over by transatlantic governments. That is, when you can't win a war, as in the case of Syria, where they were unable to topple the government of Assad, uh, if you can't do it through war, do it through war-type sanctions where you starve the population, you withhold funds needed for medical supplies, fuel, and, and other necessities. That's the Western policy. Is that the policy that the American people think is good for America? You know, the, the point that Helga Zeppler-Rusch made in, in going, taking this question further is what happened to the idea that governments act for the common good for their people and recognize that doing what's good for others is good for your own country? That conception, which was the conception of the peace of Westphalia, that you do unto other nations as you would wish they would do to you, well, I guess that from the U.S. side, they say, well, since we launched wars against Afghanistan, we have to, that now that we lost the war, continue the war by other means, by starving, by cutting off credit, by making a desperate situation worse. But what's going to be the result if there's no intervention in Afghanistan? A refugee crisis spilling over into the entire area of Central Asia, but also a radicalization of the population, which is already affected by Islamic uh, fundamentalists. And I'm not talking about the Taliban now, I'm talking about the ISIS and Al-Qaeda type groups that will then go around and say, your children are being starved by the infidels of the West. So we're not enhancing our security by punishing the Taliban and punishing the people of Afghanistan. And so my uh, friend from, from Russia was saying that one of the areas where cooperation would be of great importance would be in rebuilding Afghanistan. He said, there's no real contention there right now between East and West. And this is a case where good intentions would go a long way toward creating the basis of trust for further cooperation. Now, one other subject we talked about, which I think is very important, I brought it up a little bit yesterday, is the fact that some of the Western military planners and geopoliticians are increasingly freaked out by the prospect of a Russia-China military alliance. Now, some of them are even saying, maybe we should pull back from our threats against Russia because we're pushing Russia towards China. Well, that's the way geopoliticians think. What's impelling Russia towards China is economic integration, the benefits to both countries by having closer collaboration, both in terms of the trade between them, but also in the area in Eurasia that they share as neighbors and, and common ground. 
that is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization as an example, that the benefits of the Belt and Road Initiative and Russia's involvement in that spill over to the whole region. And that, rather than having a Russia-China nuclear gang up against the West, is the basis of the Russia-China cooperation. Now, of course, if the West acts as a bully by saying that we're going to contain Russia and China, that they're authoritarian governments, uh, we have to build up military alliances such as the Indo-Pacific Asian NATO, such as extending NATO to the borders of Russia, if you do that, of course you're going to uh, impel them to, to work closer together. But the driver for the collaboration is economic advance. And the, my Russian contact made the point that China's improvement as an economic power is not something that hurts Russia, but something from which Russia can benefit, as could the United States. At a moment when the United States is still reeling from the effects of COVID, from the effects of privatization of healthcare, from the effects of the outsourcing of American industry and jobs, uh, when we're suffering from the effects of an inflation, which was created by the pumping of dollars by the Federal Reserve into the hands of speculators so they can maintain the face value of their worthless holdings. This is a point at which the American people have to rise up and say, we want to participate in the creation of a new fair financial system, one which benefits all people, one which benefits producers and not the speculators. So the potential today is greater than it's been for cooperation among nations. The question is, will the leaders of the United States and the Western European nations understand that? Or will they continue to dance to the tunes played by the corporate cartels of the big finance, of the insurance companies, of big pharma, the food cartels, and so on, who have profited handsomely as the rest of the world is seeing a crash, including the so-called middle class in the United States. So join with us in the Schiller Institute, fight for our policies, and let's see if we can take advantage of the potential that's emerging from the what otherwise was a very dangerous crisis around Ukraine. Thanks for joining me. Tomorrow's Friday. I'll take your questions. Send them to me at harleysch at gmail.com.